Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, and this is the TS Radio Network. We got a good show lined up tonight, and we got a, one or two new things. And before we get rolling here, uh, I want to thank everybody that listened in last night to the show with Lisa Belanger. Uh, that thing just went berserk and wild. And uh, so we'll be doing another show probably with her and Marsha again here in the near future. Uh, seemed like a lot to talk about there, and I'd like to revisit that. Uh, uh, Shelly Thompson that we have been promoting, uh, she's caught in a guardianship there in Texas, and we've got her information to someone who can approach the governor directly and see what we can do about getting her out. Uh, the woman is lucid. She's a scientist. Um, she basically was hammered down on. They claim she was a hoarder. Even if she was, there's no reason to lock her up. And But there again, we have no evidence this is true. Just they said so, so there you are. And she's she's been held captive now for quite a long time. She just wants out, wants her life back. Again, if you can use the GoFundMe and contribute five or ten bucks towards her legal fees and other fees she, that are piling up, because they've, they've taken everything from her. Those of you that have been through this, you know how this is. They spend all your money, and you're left broke. But anyway, with that said, we have a new segment this evening, and Kaz, my co-host, who's a big part of this show, has a new segment called The Hog Report. So, Kaz? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yes. Okay, Should I take it away? Okay, so today's... I'm so excited because this has been such an exciting topic, and I got to help name the glory hog. So I'm really excited and feel kind of like responsible for this new terminology that we all love and that has gotten some of the best responses because we have to deal with glory hogs. And so I'm sure I will not run out of content, and every week we're going to have a fun little glory hog segment complete with some sound effects. And so today's lesson, we're going to learn, (laughs) today's lesson is we're going to learn the degrees of hoggery. So there's there's three degrees of glory hog. (laughs) And once you can recognize the degree of glory hog, you can realize what you're dealing with. Now, the first degree is called the entry-level glory hog. The entry-level glory hog is... um, 
they're a minor offender and they are driven by nothing more than the desire to impress others. So that's what they're going to do. They're not going to be real diabolical. They just want to have you impressed. They might, you know, tell some lies about how great they are, you know, nothing nothing over the top, nothing real sabotage. So um, they're annoying, but we can deal with those. Now the level two, the intermediate glory hog is called the prolific glory hog. That glory hog is more of a sabotager. They will seem very friendly and charming. People will love the glory hog and think that they're so wonderful, but the minute that someone unmasks the glory hog, they will go after that person like nobody's business. And Marty, I worry that that has happened to you before, that you have unmasked a glory oh, hog. And they that's will exactly you. what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So and that is what the, Go ahead. Yes. So that is what the prolific glory hog will do. Now, the advanced glory hog, this is called a hardened hogger. They are the limelight robber. They have gotten themselves, they've hogged their way into a very top, powerful position. And they are, they, I mean, they are spewing their hogness everywhere. And the only way to take this hog out is you need to figure out how to take their power. So they usually have power. Their, their hogness? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, they're royal hogness. So they've usually the limelight robber, the hardened hogger, the advanced glory hog. So you got to give them props. They've climbed the hog ladder, and they have power, and they use it. Now, remember, they they have probably, you know, it's probably like, you know, it starts in stages. You know, first they're going to become an entry-level glory hog, then they're going to get a little taste of that. They're going to want more and more and more of that hog slop. And they're going to become a prolific glory hog, which that's going to be a more sabotage glory hog. If you're on to them, they're going, to, they're going to go after you. And then you've got, the, you know, the advanced hog, and that's the limelight robber. That glory hog has risen to a level of power and prestige. They might say they're the best of something, most important. And they, the only way to take that hog out is, you need to figure out how to take their power to dehog them. And there we have it. The degrees of hoggery. Did you okay. learn anything new, Marty? Did did I do any good education? Have you learned anything new? Yes. Uh, you, how many, you laid it all out there, cause. And I love I your, your like, hogness. <laughs> I feel like I should get like a like um like the like a one to five star, but instead it should be one to five hog hog oinks on based on okay. my presentation. Yeah. Mhm. Well, how yeah. many hogs do I get? How many oinks do I get? You get five. Five. I get five uh, oinks. Telling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six. All right. <laughs> That was a five oinker. Yeah, it was. Holy, oh my God. Tune in oh, next no, week to, to see what. <laughs> Tune in next week for lesson number two. Okay. And we will be looking forward to that. Your hogness. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, 
<laughs> you you are so welcome. I I knew you'd run away with this anyway. <laughs> uh, our guest tonight. I was inspired by oh. your sound effects. <laughs> no, I was thinking. Uh huh. Uh, that's for you. That's for you. Our guest tonight <laughs> causes. His... <laughs> Is Marcia Southwick? <laughs> She's. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marcia. It's funny. Hi. Hi. Hi, Marcia. Hi. I feel like I need to. I need to take over while Marty laughs. I think you should. So. Absolutely. <laughs> um. So, oh Marcia, I hear that you <laughs> did something super exciting. Like in the last two weeks, oh. like something with the yeah. summit. Yes, it was we the would fourth like, national. We would like an update. Yeah, fourth national summit on guardianship. It was a, it had tons of organizations, uh, you know, ARC, AARP, uh, disability rights groups, all these different child welfare groups. Uh, wow. Everybody talking about the, um, and there were 75 delegates chosen from around the country. And they all met, and what we did was we constructed a template for the directions of reform for the next 10 years because these summits get together every 10 years. Wow. Um, and so the, the, the exciting thing was, so we're in a group of 75. There are six parts to the recommendations, and we'll put them up on NASGA. Um, there are six parts, so there's six you know, sections of the recommendations. And we started off as a group, read all the stuff, and then we broke up into smaller groups, right? And each of us addressed... I have a quick question. For those who are listening um, that might not know, could you tell us what group you were representing there? Oh, I was representing guardian guardian abuse and monitoring. So it was section number four. Okay. So, Which you know, the rest were things NASCA? like, let's see. Okay. Yes, this was for NASCA. And, okay, so, um, so if you just want to know a little bit about some stuff that happened to me during this, because it was kind of unsettling. Yeah. I got really? a, yeah. I got a letter one day from this organization, you know, from the conference, right? And I was invited mm-hmm. to go and yeah. participate. Well, you know, I didn't know that I was the only one out of all these, out of all the groups we have. You know, like yeah. you know, the different advocacy organizations. So right, the uh, a couple of other groups got very upset that I was the only one, and I got le- a letter saying, "Well, you, the only reason you were chosen, you must be a very different kind of advocate, because you know, and and we must be, and it was three guys, we must be threatening, and you were not, and that's why you were invited." And I was just so offended. You know, and I just yeah. wrote back and said, you know what, that's a man thing you got going there. That is not, it's, you're not a threat. And then I got it's another like glory one. hogs. Wow. Where's that? They where's were that, jealous. Where's, where's that? The uh, where's the oink? No. Anyway. Uh-huh. We need an uh, oink there. Oh, but he, He's he, still laughing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyhow, so then, then I get another letter, um, saying uh, from someone else saying you know we tried to get into this we all of us are clamoring i did we don't understand why you were the only one and this and that 
And, you know, uh, I, I felt bad. You know, I really, I, there was no reason that I could think of why a, another group shouldn't be invited. It's just that when you get invited, you don't, you don't try to crash the party by yeah. inviting yourself. It's just as simple as right. that, right? Well, so then guessing, I wrote back and I, wow. I wrote back and I mean, explained who was in. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Let's, one at a time. I, think oh, I, I wrote, I wrote back and explained who was in my group, and this person went through a list of that group, explaining how they were no longer worth anything, basically, and they were doing nothing and. You know mm. that, that these that these God. groups don't accomplish anything. I mean, you know, on some level, I get that because it's sort of true. Everybody's trying everything and it's not working, right? I mean, right. yeah. I yeah. mean, we've been at the, you've been at this for years and years. We've all been at this for years and years. And at the yeah. summit, there are people who've been trying to reform this for forty years. Oh but my the God! Thing yep. The thing that's interesting about this is that no. You know, as we were going through different possibilities for the reform efforts and whatever, they could tell you uh, the difference. They'd say, well, no, you know, in Pennsylvania, you couldn't do that for this reason. It works this way. And then somebody else would say, that's true of Rhode Island. Somebody would say it would work in Connecticut. And some people had knowledge of the differences of all 50 states and where the state of reform was. Systemic. Wow. wow. I mean, how could wow. you not want to be wow. a part wow. of that, wow. right? Well, yes. exactly. And maybe sometimes people don't get invited because they're toxic. Because to me, that's a toxic behavior to start trashing other people who are at a summit to you. I mean, well, if someone I, was trashing me, I wouldn't want them there. Yeah. But the truth is, I do think, I mean, how do I say this? Uh, I don't think they behave that way at the summit. You know, I don't. Right. But it's just the, oh yeah, they it's would. It's just the oh you yeah, they so? would, Marcia. And Maybe they're they're not going to allow anybody uh, there to you know take the spotlight. Um, these people think that they should be front and center, uh, and if they weren't invited, the reason they weren't, I knew about this and chose not to go. Um, but if it, it's this kind of behavior that you're talking about that excludes them from any of these larger events. Uh, it's well known. Yeah. It's well known. But the thing um, is, here's the thing. Respond, Here, here's the act, thing. I'm not, trying to de- I'm not trying to defend the oinkers, but here's the thing. You know, families really have been, these are family uh, victim organizations. We're a family victim organization, but I'm not a victim. My best friend was. So I'm in a different position. And, and these guys, you know, they go in front of legislatures and they go in front of uh, Supreme Court judges or whoever they can talk to, and they start talking about human trafficking and, and uh, these are murderers and all this. That is what should happen. I mean, that is correct. It is human trafficking mm-hmm. at its worst. There's just no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then right. if you're going to uh, try to integrate yourself into some kind of reform effort and you're going to get in there and really have a hand at drafting something that's going to work, you can't approach that very organization and say these people are all full of shit because that just doesn't yeah it's not but it's okay if you're doing it to people who are real rat bastards there are tons of rat bastards out there yeah but you just can't do it just you know what happened to me was i had to step i'm trying to explain why i why i think i was probably a decent choice you know 
because mm-hmm. I learned to step back and say, how did this thing go so damn wrong? What, you know, yeah. it's a system that's an operation that has rules to it that, you know, they accumulate and they just, it's like the amplification of the mistakes just gets, keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And systems can work in the reverse. They can work in favor. They can get better. Like uh, Carrie Mullis, this incredible Nobel laureate, crazy guy, but he figured out that you could amplify DNA so that you could take a tiny piece of DNA, right? And you could get the DNA results that you could pass through, you know, police stations, etc. And because of that, it got better, right? Because DNA results, you had to have a big chunk of data. And now you could have a little tiny piece and you could run it through police scans or police records and find out, find all these, you know, all this evidence is locked in lockers somewhere. They could pull that out and they freed all these prisoners and, you know, it was a good thing, Mm -hmm. right? They caught all these cold cases. So, you know, guardianship could be like that. It could, but, but it, it ain't happening. You know, it's just, it's really no. a lot of money. Uh, you know why yeah. I think, Marcia, um, oh, go ahead. Real quick here. Buddy, Australia's listening in, and everybody said to say hello. So hello Hi to guys. everybody. Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, you know, I love them. Sunny, I do too. They're the best. You guys are the best. Yeah, they are. And I love yeah. their. Chris is amazing. Love, yes, she is. And I I love her sweet accent, which she probably thinks that we have the accent. And, and yeah, I don't have an accent. One time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's like the, she said it the best. Like sharks that smell blood. The, the lawyer and the guardian yeah. smells their victim. Oh, definitely. You know, and what, like, what, yeah. And the, you know, the thing is that the system itself has generated it. So, you know, at NASCA, we've always felt uh, and I still feel that it's the system itself, uh, not only, uh, you know, the constitutional law is basically that what is, let's see, what is not forbidden is allowed, correct? So it's right. easier to make laws about what you can't do than it is when you, uh, to make laws about what you can do. And the, and the thing is that, that that is based on the competent, the understanding that the people who are doing that are competent, that there's competency involved. And Mm -hmm. in the guardianship system, there's no competence. It's gone so haywire that the people Mm -hmm. in the system are, you know, it's like the Milgram experiment, right? The uh, one at Yale where they tried to figure out what, what, what was going on. Why, why was the Holocaust the way it was? How could people do this to other people? And he figured out that basically they do it because they're given power complete power over somebody and at the same time they are the responsibility for their actions is removed to the experimenter the experimenter says there's a there's a let's see there's a uh person involved in the experiment on the on the experimenter's side on the other side of a screen then they get an innocent person in there who has to administer administer a shock every time the person Mm -hmm. on the other side of the screen gives the wrong answer, right? So, yeah. you know, they, and the experimenter says, okay, wrong answer, give the shock. And they give like a hundred volts, you know, and then the next time 
it's 200 volts. Then it's 250, and the person the person from the street is saying, wait, I, I don't want to do this. This isn't right. And the experimenter says, no, it's part of the experiment. And they have a, a uh, script for what they're supposed to say. They say, this is, this is, we're responsible. You are not. You are just supposed to follow directions because this is an experiment, right? So there are a few people who actually, a lot of people ended up thinking, you know, and the other person on the other screen, of course, is not getting shocked. The, the mm-hmm. person, uh, you know, the, the, the person coming in off the street believes that they're shocking because they can hear the other guy go, ah, you know, yeah. ah, that hurts, stop. And the, and the experimenter saying, nope, go ahead. You got to keep doing it. And they actually, uh, then at, for some of these people, they, there was just silence on the other end. They were dead. You know, they, the person in the, who walked in up the street as part of this thought they had actually killed somebody. And that shows you just how bad authoritative, authoritarian systems are. And that's what's wrong with guardianship. Because they can take complete control over a human being's life. And really, that is what's producing all this crap. I mean, I really do believe that. And because once people get in that position, everything that isn't, isn't forbidden is allowed. So everybody does everything that possibly can go wrong because that's the way systems yeah. work. There's no rule the at the base to there. stop it. Then huh? It's like they have – and that's where you get these serial killer guardians because they're getting away with their crimes. Oh, God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the Rebecca Furleys and the April Parks. Oh my God! With the twenty-seven mm-hmm. boxes of ashes in the in the you know, I was thinking mm-hmm. the reason that happened. My guess is that if they kept ashes, didn't return them to the families, maybe they didn't even notify the families that their loved one was dead. They were and dead. therefore they could keep mm-hmm. the guardianship going and keep stealing. You know, yeah. so yeah. it's kind of like but, it's kind of like everything. Marcia, it's sort of is. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, do you remember they did the Stanford experiment, and they took that, yes. uh, I believe it was a psychology class, and they split it. Half of them were prisoners, half of them were guards. And yeah. as the experiment went on, it only lasted two weeks. The guards, the student guards, they gave them one day, they gave them uniforms, and the next day they gave them a badge. And then they gave them a wow. pair of dark sunglasses. Yeah. And over the two-week period, they progressed from being friends and classmates into the guards became so abusive. Uh, two yeah. people left the experiment that were prisoners, yes. but they had to shut it down uh, because right. the people that were given these costumes and badges and sunglasses uh, and told, you're the guard, you know, you and they turned into monsters. And we yes. see this across um, the country in enforcement and Look at TSA in the airports, my God. Um, yeah, it's very similar, yes, all that. All yeah, that. That's true. And, yeah. and it's when systems, you know, they get gather this force. It's this amplification thing in the wrong direction. It's, it's really, really, really scary. And, uh, oh, by the way, yeah. about that Stanford student thing, when that happened, I remember academics saying things like, Oh, those Stanford students are really, you know, they should have used normal people. Those Stanford students are <laughs> oh. really, they're really oh. rat bastards, you know. <laughs> yeah. But they were joking. Oh, my God. I mean, the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this is, you know, and this is what's happened with these guardians. They have been given this uncontrolled authority to do, and it's done through the tribunal. Um, yeah. Everybody, I'm yeah. he- hearing people now saying, "Well, the judge isn't to blame." First off, that's not a judge. A judge oh, implies you're dealing with law. You're dealing with a well, hearing one examiner ju- one, or a ministerial court. <laughs> yeah, go one ahead. One judge, one judge who was uh, in one of my groups said, you know, he was from some southern state. He was very cool. And he said, you know, in some of these rural areas, you only have to have a high school degree and no felonies to become one of these magistrates. Oh, I yes. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Wow. So, you and know, you don't have to know anything could, about the law. Yeah. Right. Do you know that, excuse but, me, Marcia, do you know that, that judges for the Supreme Court of the United States do not have to have a law degree? Wow. Well, they're constitutional scholars, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe that by what I see them doing. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, but I'm just saying as a basis, I don't know what, you know, I didn't know that. I really didn't. But they they do know the Constitution inside and out. So are they JVs? They're supposed to. No. Yeah, right. They don't have to have any. They don't have to have any training at all. They can have, but they don't have to. None. Wow. I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty crazy. that explains how some people got there. Yeah. But, so uh, anyway, to go the, on about the... the, thing the is, to go on... A, whoops. Oh, to go on go about... The, sorry, I'm just a glory hog here. Better click <laughs> that no. thing, cause. Come on, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> oink, oink. I'm hogging up the time. <laughs> there you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Any... <laughs> Anyway, uh, I mean, yeah, there you so, go. so anyway, we split up from 75 groups into groups of six each for each uh, section and then went through each line of each section, each word of each line. It was fun because, uh, you know, and I was, I was in a group with Anthony Palmieri, who's he's the new head of the Guardianship Association. And I think it's a good thing because he's a cop. He was a cop down in Florida who busted tons of guardians. So I was so excited when I heard that. Yeah. And Sharon Bach, too, who uh, she started that, the hotline, the hotline in Palm Beach. And she got the, sorry, I'm walking as I'm talking. So I'm out of breath trying to get exercise, you know. Um, Anyway, so she... She and Anthony, I'm, pre- I, I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but they, they approached the legislature and created a law or a statute that allowed the clerks of county courts to have more power to ask for records. They could just go in and say, I want the records. of I got a compl- They get a complaint, and they ask the court for the records, and then they do the audits. And uh, then Anthony investigated. He has a... He had the investigative branch, and he had a team, and they investigated every call that they got, and they busted a ton of people. So he's the right person. You know, I just feel like it's changing. He's he's not a bad guy. That you nobody can say yeah. that this person isn't on the right side. He just is, and most of yeah. these people really are. I mean, they really are. And so yeah. uh, anyway, it was really fun yeah. working with him. It was fun working with him and Sharon, and then there was Erica Wood, and she's the person 
who uh, has studied this stuff for over for 40 years at least, you know. And oh, wow. these people are just, yeah, they're extraordinary. I mean, they, anyway, so the end conclusion that's most important was that no plenary guardianships allowed. You eliminate plenary yes. guardianship altogether. And then what happens is, okay, in the 2017 um, Adult Guardianship Act that was produced by the ULC, uh, as you know, NASCA was there, uh, NASCA, Elaine was there, Elaine Renoir was there uh, at these draftings. She described it to me, and it was the same process where they had to consider everything that happened in every state and how the uniform law would work. And she got in there about visitation, and she even got in there about pets. Like, you can't take people's pets away. That's sick. Of course, and, uh, she loves pets. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, I know. She was really all over that. But. But uh, so it's the same kind of thinking that goes into all this stuff. And I find it because, you know, just because I'm an academic, I found it fascinating. I just was really excited by it because it's a way of thinking that can get things done. It really can. So anyway, the 2017 Act, uh, Section 5, which really every state should adopt, if they don't like the rest of it, fine. But that's the part that's really important. And that is the part that lays out that the judge, um, that, that courts can, and just says can right now, um, uh, consider, or they don't say they must, I don't think. The judge must consider or should consider or can consider, whatever it says, all possible alternatives to guardianship before guardianship is the answer, plenary guardianship, right? Well, this mm-hmm. adds a new piece. This adds a new piece because those were choices. Well, if you then put on top of that uh, no plenary guardianship, that throws all of those alternatives to the forefront because now that's all they got. They don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. They can't now just go, okay, 15 minutes is done. Here, 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 April Parks. Here's Rudy North, you know. They can't do that. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. So I think it's powerful. Um, you know, but, you know, it's – then again, I was looking into how other countries are handling it, and I was thinking, yeah, Germany, Germany, they don't have plenary guardianship either, you know. Or, and so, but they've got abuses, you know. They've got abuses mm-hmm. too. So, <sighs> but it seems to what me it's a step in the right direction. Dealing with other countries is that um, they have the same thing. The terminology is just different. Uh, maybe the court setup is a little different, and there's different terminology mm-hmm. for that, but it's the same system and the same end result. And this is, you know, like I said, this is a a global issue, and yes. they have decided globally that, to, you know, it's okay to get rid of the elderly, to euthanize them, uh, to do whatever you want, but before they go, let's, let's rob them blind, take their stuff. Yeah. And now I'm yeah. seeing more stuff about how it's not right for people to inherit property oh, yeah, it's all and about other that. items. It's all about that. Yeah, that oh, it's they all about should that. not I... inherit. Nobody should inherit. And this really stunned me, and especially real property. And I went yeah. back to the yeah. UN on that because I knew I'd read that before, and they consider it a social injustice 
if you own property and I don't, I have been harmed somehow. So nobody should own any property. And what yeah. I explained to yeah. people with, that raised hell about it, I said, you don't own anything anyway. Even if you pay off a mortgage, try skipping your property tax. They'll come take that property exactly. right away from you. Yeah, that's right. And that's you right. don't own anything. I said, your vehicle, yep. you don't own it. You don't yep. buy those tags for it. They'll yep. come and seize that vehicle. Uh, you own nothing. That's all it's You charade. really don't. But this thing yes, about it is. No, the family should not. And I saw this first with the black farmers. And a lot of the historical families, generational families, the land passed down. They call it heirs' property. It passed from mm-hmm. father to son, from father to son, and so on. Uh, they want to stop that. That's not right. I don't know why it isn't. Awesome. I, yeah, I, I mean, really, why it wouldn't be. But well, they, you look at these. You yeah. look at these families in New Mexico, like the Darnell family. Okay, the Darnell family. Uh, Mary, I hope you don't mind if you're out there that I'm talking about you. But this family had a, a, a farm, a beautiful, incredible piece of property all along uh, the river, you know, in Albuquerque. This incredible spread. And it had a beautiful farm. And it's been in their family, I don't know, three generations or something. Somebody farmed that land. Somebody built that house. Somebody, you know, made that land work. They gathered, you know, they gathered a legacy for that family. And yet these guardians say, oh, I mean, I've heard this in New Mexico. I was court watching outside of a, uh, I was just outside. I wanted to know what was going on. And the guardian who's just unbelievable. I said, so why? And what was happening was uh, the person coming to the courtroom belonged to a family and she was questioning the accounts. And she said, I want, I think we need, she was petitioning the court to have a uh, forensic audit. Okay. And you know what he said? He said, I can't do that. And I asked him, so why isn't why don't you think they ought to get an audit of their own, you know, f- legacy? I don't get it. He said, well, it would be, it would be fiduciarily irresponsible for me to do that, as I've already had an audit by his own guys, of course, right? His own company. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't know why is that, if they want it, and it's their legacy, why wouldn't you want to respect that? He said, well, all it is is just one member of the family thinking that she didn't get her fair share. I thought, holy, <laughs> I just looked at this guy like, yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's how bad they are. And I've heard, I heard, yeah. I was listening to some incredible, uh, it was a conference of guardians talking about what they're doing and so forth. And this one lady who was pretty high up, I got to find this. She said, this is not about the family. This is about the person we're protecting. And everybody cheered. Oh. <laughs> That's not no. about the person you're protecting. That's about you. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, the person was and she was. Hit, the person yeah. they were protecting think, was her. Yeah. What's yeah. that? And family, like mom and dad love their kids. Oh, yeah. That's disgusting. Well, you know what I wanted yeah, to mention know, when I – oh, go ahead. Um, can, I t- can I tell you one more story? Okay. Yes. So when I was uh, in New Mexico, when – you know, I got very sick in 2017, so for a couple of years I was out of it. Uh, 
but anyhow, uh, so in two, I think it was earlier than that. It was like 2013. A whole bunch of families and I, to, I came to. We met with a senator who's really great in our state. Uh, his name is Ortiz E. Pino, and he's fantastic. So anyway, he, uh, we said we're trying to draft up something for legislation. And the whole idea was why are families just treated like this? Why? Why aren't they allowed to know anything about what's happening to the finances? Because if you know what's happening in the finances and something's wrong, that's a sign of abuse. Why wouldn't you want anyone to know that? Right. So Mm -hmm. he said, okay, so he gets the task force together, and he's a good guy, really good guy. And they come back. This is unbelievable. They come back with the conclusion. This task force comes back with the conclusion that – Families should not be involved because they have a conflict of interest when it comes to their parents' estate. Oh. And this was before I could this was before I could keep my cool in front of legislatures. Uh-huh. Talk about somebody shouting human trafficking. I was just like crying and you know, yelling and I mean and I looked at them, I got up, public comments, and I, there were six people on there and they were all they'd all been on this task force. And I pointed at each one and I said, now you're the head of a guardianship company and you are an attorney who works on guardianships and you are blah, blah, blah. And I went through the whole line and I said, so who's got the, you're the ones controlling the money. You kidding me? You're saying that this is a conflict of interest. The family has a conflict of interest. What about you rat bastards? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It was so appalling to me. I couldn't believe it. I just, and that's the attitude because they want to keep mm-hmm. their money and they're not going to be able to do it. I really think it's going to change. I, I know that I'm, I'm a Pollyanna person, but I, I believe there's hope. I do. And I think that the way it's going to come is you do these statutes, which, you know, nobody pays attention to, but they're there. They're there. And, you know, you can enforce it through criminal statutes. There are four states now that have those criminal statutes, and one of them is really good. And, I, and I'm not going to mention which state because we had a hand in it, and everybody will be going to that. You know what I mean? The yeah. Honk it, cause honk it, honk the uh, oinker. Yep. They'll follow it <laughs> into the state. <laughs> oh, my God. They will follow us Marty. into the state. There you go. So what will happen is we'll go to a state, right? We'll go to a state, Mm -hmm. and one of these people will have actually called. They'll find out where we are. They'll call that Mm -hmm. senator and try to give their idea of what the – we introduced this bill to such and such a senator. And they'll actually get in there and say, I have some suggestions. And then we'd actually – one of these was – Marty Pran, who's no longer with us, but, oh, you know, he, he just, yeah. yeah, and, uh, but, you know, I mean, so then what would happen is the, the ideas wouldn't be anything like what we were trying to do, right? So it feels mm-hmm, like somebody's right. just jerking your chain. It's so infuriating, and so yeah. then the senator would say, well, you know, so-and-so contacted us, and we're like, what? You know, you yeah. got to be kidding so, now, mm-hmm. real, real quick, what what degree of hog would that be? 
entry level oh, prolific or limelike robber? Uh, it's it's a nuisance. Nuisance. Just yeah, a limelight robber. Wow. It's like you want to smack a fly. You want to smack a fly. Yeah. Just get out of here. What's your problem? Why can't yeah. anybody get anything done? It's okay, you know, but I get well, it because they might feel, see, I think what happens is uh, they might, they, if they don't know what is being proposed, they could easily think it's not good. And th- I understand that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So there's some, I don't know. It's just tough. It's really tough. But I think the thing that people really should think about, because our advocacy is broken apart in a lot of ways, is that you know, uh, and they say, you know, and then they write me these letters and everything, and then they say, we all ought to be working together. Well, duh, you know, but yeah, I'm not going to do but that. You, you can't, Marcia, so, Marcia, you cannot work with these people. Uh, they don't, the last thing they want is to work together. What they mean is you do all the work, hand it over to me, and I'll stand up yeah, and take credit yeah. for it. Like right. you weren't even there. This is what they're after. There's no acknowledgement of anyone around that. them. Uh, it's, it's, yes. it's, it's deeper than that. To give everybody credit, it's deeper than that. It's about fear. It's about having gone through trauma. It's about everybody really wants to do the right thing. I honestly believe that. Well, maybe I'm naive. But anyway, I think, yes. you know, when I got this thing like academics don't do anything and, you know, you know it's like hitting the gut, really. But what yeah. I thought to myself is, you know, I got there, I can write about this, I'm a writer, I was a professor of creative writing, and I was probably a decent person for this job, and you know what, it's what I can do to contribute. I, yes. I'm not that good about getting out on the street with my boots on and protesting, that's just not my bag, mm-hmm. you know? So why yeah. is it that everyone who has a skill no matter what that skill is, use that skill mm-hmm. to approach this problem. And, and, and if yes. you join together with other people who have that same skill, great. You know, I joined up with these people, mm-hmm. Sharon and Anthony and Eric yeah. Wood and, you know, Nina Cohen, and it worked. You know, it works. So yeah. why not just do what works? If I'm not out there with protest signs, you know, I, I think ultimately that's a, we, it has to be organized, though. You know, these things where right. you get three people outside a courtroom just don't work. So it would have to, you would, right. we would have to have some just fantastic organizer. So without that, yeah. I wouldn't participate just because it wouldn't be worth my time. I just don't, you know, it yeah. would be, but I just can't, you know, I have other priorities. So why can't everybody just do what they do best? And everybody is working their heart out. I really believe that. I even think the... Uh, the the glory hogs or whatever you call them, everybody's trying to. Do, they really <laughs> want to help. Every slightly like anybody wants to really. They want this to to get better. But the problem is, I think that most victims. I don't know about you, cause, but if I were a victim, I just want to nuke the entire thing. I mean, who wants it? You know, you just want to get the chains <sighs> yeah. off. So most yeah. people don't. Well, I think I'm a rare breed, and I. You know, so many victims, like, it's terrible. Like, I mean, you lose you lose hope in humanity. You think everyone's evil. And, like, everyone, like, you and Marty and, like, I call them, like, my, my anti-guardianist, you know, abuse friends. Like, you guys are some of my dearest friends. And that's been yes. a blessing. 
but it's so hard, like, to to not just tell your story all the time. And I know I don't, I mean, I don't know if people even know from listening because I don't talk about it every single week, but this probably started about 12 years ago with my family. It was an, it was an ongoing thing. And since, you know, Harvey has, is, is not alive anymore. And I stayed in it. I had a, a lot of people go out of it because it's devastating. It's all you can think about. It's all you can focus on. And I totally get it. It's, it's so awful. I don't talk about my story all the time because I have to yeah. ask myself to realize that I have to tell other people's stories. And not that I'm saying that other people are glory hog, but I just feel like people are so traumatized. It's called legal abuse syndrome, and we all have yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, You're they seriously so are. You can't yeah. think right. Yes. And I also think that right. somehow, like, and you can't expect victim. people. You cannot expect people to behave in any other way. You really can't. And the tr- no. here's the truth of it. Here's the truth of it. People who are are screaming the loudest, who seem like they're the most, like I'm cringing, thinking, why are you saying this, you know, or whatever, because I'm in the uh, on a different uh, plane, sort of. I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it. But that's the reason the press has gone wild over this because of the victims who come out and say what they went through. So. The storytelling is really, really powerful. And what's it happened is. is, you know what's powerful about it? Because when I was at the summit, somebody said, you know, you just can't trust the press. And I said, wait a minute. I said, this is a certain kind of journalism. It's not, you know, what it is, it's human interest story. And human interest yeah. story only has three goals. One, you write about a person and their problem. Two, you create sympathy for that person and their problem. And three, your goal is to create more than usual emotion in the, the uh, audience, right? So it's powerful. And uh, so the obligations of that kind of journalism are just a little different. You don't have to present both sides of the story. You really don't. You no. know, it's a, it's a, that's just the nature of the beast. And boy, has that beast come alive. It's wonderful. It is. I think some of it is people don't believe, because it's like, it sounds like, I mean, I've often felt I'm living a made-for-TV movie. I don't, I mean, I yes. it's like insane. Like when this first started, I remember like we were sending, um, this is like flash drive. Remember back in the day you had to put everything on a flash drive and mail it because you couldn't yes. like email yes. big files? I mean, yes. I'm like, I can remember the day I'm down at the Staples, and I'm paying to um, put, like, I don't know, I had, like, 3,000 pages of documents, and they're scanning them in and getting them on my flash drive and then copying my flash drive, and I'm mailing flash drives to, like, the FBI, to you know, and you, you're given a P.O. box that this is your P.O. Like, I was doing that kind of thing, and I'm like, this is, like, this is something you see in a movie. I'm, like, making flash drives and mailing them out. That was really yes. freaky yes. to me. Very and freaky. most people... Yeah, and I think most people, like, they think that it's conspiracy theory. They don't believe it because it sounds just so insane. And these are oh, the kind so of things that you see in TV. And I think somehow that's why it doesn't get written about enough. I love that the I Care A Lot movie came out because so many people, oh, it's Hollywood, it's Hollywood. And enough of us are like, no, 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 no. It's not Hollywood except for the the Russian, the Russian mob. Well, I mean, the sad part, I mean, the part I kept thinking was, yeah, this isn't really true, but it sure would be nice if everybody had mafia connections who got into this. Cause then they oh could my God. 
I wonder if that's never happened. Good, you gotta admit. Curry and I, the mafia person. Huh? Mm. Yeah, I did. I wonder if that's ever, the movie if they've ever had this topic out here. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it was so I wonder fun. if anyone My favorite... ever tried to. Well, yeah, when everybody gets shot in nursing home. <laughs> God. Remember that scene? Where everybody gets yes. mowed down in a nursing home because he can't visit his mom. I mean, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> you know I mean? Because that's how people feel. They feel like, damn, yeah. you know, this yeah. is not right. I ought to be able to come in here, you know. And it actually amazes yeah. me that no one has, has gotten to the point of really getting, really getting uh, violent with this, you know. And, uh, so, you know, it's lucky people don't. Oh, my question, I think, I think they might profile their victims. And they look for, they I think there's some families where they think, you know what, we're not going to mess with that family because it's not going to go well. And I can only hope that they wish they had been, you know what, we should have left Harvey alone and let them have him. Or, you know, that I've been a thorn in their side enough. Because yeah. I'm sure that, oh, Kaz is so sweet, and I'm not real tall, and, you know, look at, you can just run right over her. And so that's why I was victimized or whatever. And then I buddied up with Marty and have, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure, I'm hoping that they hate that. But I but think that they repli- look for people that are nice and think yeah. they aren't going to go after them. See, and there really is a way to bulletproof yourself better than a power of attorney, and it's it hasn't been instituted yet in all, in all states, but I think some are heading towards it. And it's where you you make you get a group, a team, so that right now you maybe you have a health power of attorney, and then you have a medical power of attorney who lives somewhere else, or they're all scattered. You have people right in line, like you got your first health power of attorney, and then you have your second one if that one's on it, then you have your third. Same with the financial. Well, now you can do an agreement where you're basically a team. It's a lot harder to go after a team that signed an agreement specifying who will do exactly what to support the person. So, like, so-and-so is going to help them make decisions about finance, and here's how they're going to do it, one, two, three, about which things they're going to do it, and then this person's going to – take over if the guy needs to go to the hospital and, you know, they define it so well that mm-hmm. you put that mm-hmm. in front of a judge and you abolish plenary guardianship. You're not getting anywhere. You know, ideally I've watched the bar association very closely and what you're talking about is supported decision-making, which would be an ideal situation, I believe. And, but now they're trying to rebrand guardianship as supported decision-making, you have this team of people who perform all these functions answerable to a guardian who leads the team. Well, actually, the way, the way it works it, from the ACLU has one of these sample agreements. And what it is is that you don't have a guardian. You have somebody who monitors the finance. So you have somebody outside of this group of your choice, you know, like – you could say, um, I want Wells Fargo Bank, which I certainly wouldn't recommend. <laughs> They're the most corrupt. No, I wouldn't either. But you right. know what I'm yeah. saying. Somebody that, somebody that monitors that you trust, and the person decides, and then that's who monitors. There's no guardians in there. There's no guardian in there. Yeah. The only way that well, they, a guardian doing, can Marcia. get involved. Can I finish, what, though? What Let me doing, just explain Marcia. this because it's big. Okay. Sure. Oh, the only way 
I mean, the way the system is meant to work and the way they would see it at the, at the summit would be that if you, you don't have a plenary guardianship, but you have somebody in there to make decisions, let's say you have to have someone in there to make, to make sure the person gets dressed in the morning and does all this, the guardian um, could, can be appointed, but has to apply the principles of supportive decision-making. They can't just decide for the person anymore. The person, you know, you have to support the person, not that anyone is there to gonna really do it, but that's the reason um, it only would apply if the person needed a guardian for, to do any specific tasks, right? So one, a big, one big problem right now is hospitals and nursing homes. Oh my God, the pipelines to guardianship are insane. Because hospitals, yeah. they uh, they need to get their pay, you know, and if you look at it, it's really a lot of it's practical problems, but the solutions are just horrible. And the reason is that nobody's connected to anybody else. So you have a hospital, you have a patient, you've got to move out of there. And you're worried about liability of what happens to them if you just stick them out on the street. So they hire a guard, they have an attorney and they make this, you know, they get the the guardian and they think that's, that's great. That's the end of our job. Problem with that is you've got people like Rebecca Furl, Fairly, Furley, mm-hmm. going in there and making arrangements with these hospitals and then charging both the hospital and the ward, that's what she was doing, to the tune of four million, four million bucks in 10 years. So every step is disconnected from every other step. So that if you have APS, um, they often recommend guardianship as the as the answer, and those are always plenary. Um, and so, you know, everything is triggering the same problem. So, that was one now, subject of of. Now of here's our my question: discussion. Is so we have so many people that you know the hospitals are guardianized and everything. Now, why why are we not? going into the homeless community where we have a lot of mental illness and this is why why they're homeless. Why aren't we going in there and guardianizing them so that we can make right decisions for them? But yet well, you're going to guardianize you someone in the hospital. Money? I'll tell you why. Because they are doing that out in San Francisco. They? What they decided. Yeah, well, here's what they decided in San Fran. They decided mm-hmm. that th- there were too many homeless people around <laughs> So, right. but actually, to be honest with you, a lot of them end up, uh, let's see, in, let's say they get taken by a, one of those mental health things, you know, where you're observed for 72 hours or whatever, then yeah. they let them go and then they come back and then they let them go. After eight times, they can uh-huh. put the person in, into a conservatorship. But the thing about that is um, they could, if they were smart, which they are, They'd be picking up those homeless people because guess what? They can apply to through agencies and they can hire people to get money from them for them from the from the federal government. I mean, you know, a lot of these. It, what it is is the combination of of government and privatization has caused a friggin' nightmare. Just unbelievable. Look at hospice. Used to be this wonderful yeah. organization. Uh, my dad started it. He brought it. He helped bring it to the U.S. from, I guess it was England. And he he was mm-hmm. at Yale at the time, and he he got together all these volunteers from Yale and had them join up with this. It was the first one was in Brantford. 
Well, it was the best mission, the coolest thing ever. And then I listened to your show, Marty, one day about hospice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, it all, it it all changed out. under Obama, uh, Obamacare. Yeah. And they got an $11.5 billion infusion of cash to go from Good Samaritan to Grim Reaper. And yeah. now you've got states, two states, that have okayed the starving to death of those that are elderly with dementia and the mentally ill. And we oh, are man, slowly being brought into the system of culling and disposal and how to get rid of them. And, but my question is, Owen, oh, you talked about when hospice brought here from England, the program it emulated in England was called the PATH, the pathway. Okay. And what it was mm-hmm. is they were hastening death. They were oh, euthanizing really? wow. the elderly people. Yes, and in one year they took out thirteen thousand of them just in the London area. And oh wow, my dad didn't know that. They, <laughs> yeah, what they, they uh, what they were doing, you know, was just basically culling the elderly. And they finally shut them down and then brought it back out, but it had changed tremendously when they did. They said they had to fix a few yeah. little quirks in it. But anyway, and then the hospice. <laughs> Initially, so was just a. It was a wonderful organization. I know they were helpful when my brother was dying from Agent Orange, and um, yeah. oh they had God. stepped in it. You know, they did so many wonderful things. I mean, in, I wouldn't let in those Brantford, people near me now. Yeah, these people, these I know these people. The one in Brantford was amazing because I was, you know, as a kid, I was about thirteen when this started, and I would go with my dad to this, and you know, they'd have people playing music in the hallway, really calming music and, you know, asking people, now what's your favorite kind of music to listen to? And, and my dad died there and they said, what do you, what's your favorite? And I said, he loves big bands. So they're coming in with big band music. And, you know, it was really almost, it was very spiritual. I mean, it was really a spiritual thing. Well, now yes. it's like, I wouldn't get near it with the 10 foot pole. Not there. I would there, no. but that's it. No. But I want to know where we got the idea that a hospital can guardianize someone who's a paying patient there because they don't like the way things are going. Uh, they do well, this. Well, it's most not about times. that. They, uh, well, they have practical problems. Okay. They've got practical yeah. problems. They have to do with money. In other words, they need to get somebody out of that hospital in 60 days or whatever it is right away, or they lose money from Medicare, you know, or whatever it is, right? And so what, what, um, what one paper was suggesting at the summit was you ought to at least have some swing beds, which means somebody could go, you know, they're in transition. They haven't got their papers together. They haven't got the family there. They, and they just whisk these people out of the hospitals, right, to get rid of them because they need the beds and all this. And uh, so if you had swing beds, just something simple like that, right, could stop a lot of it. So they stay a few extra days until they get their stuff together. That mean you have to take away all their rights. Plus, if you had a, if you only had a single court order, you know the hospital could petition to go to have someone come and do only the job of making sure that person ends up somewhere where they're supposed to go. Like maybe they don't have anybody that they ought to go to a, a retirement home. They do that, but they don't remove all their rights. They just get them there, and then it's somebody else's. They take over, you, but not. Removing rights. 
the thing is, the one way they, they get around that time limit is they transfer them to another hospital. And so the guardianship is totally unnecessary in, I would say, 99% of the cases. But it's guardianization I've seen in the hospitals. In the hospitals. What is that? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, you're yeah, there. Yeah, okay. In the hospitals, yeah, has always been about someone with um, a lot of monetary benefits. And um, I use Yolanda Bell's sister, Anastasia Adams, um, police mm-hmm. officer, former military, all of this. And they, what they did to that woman was unspeakable, absolutely yeah. unspeakable. Yeah. And I don't believe this 60-day thing on Medicare because Gary uh, I, I don't know what it Harvey is, so, you know, was held for over uh, a yeah. year at St. Joseph's Hospital. And uh, the insurance wow. was paying $1.2 million a year. So the, the, somebody's fudging on that there. I don't know of anybody um, that has been subject to a 60-day rule. And I'll have to well, look I don't, more I, into I'm not, that. You know, I don't know how long it is, but all I know is that after a certain point, they don't get they, they get cut off, don't they? It'll get cut off if they don't get somebody out of there. No, not that I know of. Oh, not that I okay, know I'm of. mistaken about that. Yeah, I'm not right about that. But anyway, they, they, you know, there's just I don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably. But whatever it is, it's all about money, right? I mean, it's about money. That's what's so sad. People are just uh, uh, cash cows, I guess. Well, I keep telling people we've been commodified. Um, our yes. government. And all the state agencies and all these federal agencies, we are a commodity, and they buy, yeah. buy, sell, and trade us. And I keep telling people the reason you get dragged into an administrative court, which is not a court of law, right? and you'll get papers from that court and everything, the name of the court, your name is all capitalized. And But if you get a form from a state court it'll say for instance the superior court of the state of washington it's all spelled correctly capital letter small case and your name will be spelled capital letter and everything but you can always tell when you're under administrative rule is it'll your name will be all capitalized that is whether people like it or not is a legal symbol that you have lost legal capacity you no longer can even claim your own name, and disgusting. you can't speak. Mayday. Dead men can't speak. Terrifying. You are dead in the law. Terrifying. Hold yeah. on, ladies. We have got a caller here. Hang on. Okay. Area code 813. Did you have a question or comment? Hello. This is Michelle. How are you? Hello. I, I heard Good. you talking about the hospitals and how that monitoring yes. and the patient days and stuff. The Could you speak up a little bit? Is that better? The hospitals yes. and the uh, doctors are have marks against them if the patient shows up too many times in the hospital. So that's the insurance what it is. company yeah, that's right. will go back to the doctor, and they're not managing. They're under the guise of they're not managing their patients appropriately because if they were, they would not go to the hospital so much. Oh, that's what it is. Yes, yes, yes. There's a whole rounding of the physician, 
the, the hospital, it's also a mark against the hospital if they show up too many times in the emergency room. That's how they yeah. end up in hospice. And then, you know, they're all in cahoots with the funeral home. It's like one link. You, you go to your doctor too many times, you end up in the hospital too many times, you go out the back door to the hospice, and then you go to the funeral yeah. home. It's, yeah, or you go to um, or or you awful. go into guardianship and and get ripped off and then go into hospital. You know? And then go to the funeral home. No, thank you. Mich- is it Michelle? Is it Michelle? It is Michelle. I, that's all I. Thank you so say. much thank for you. explaining that. Have a good night, ladies. Bye bye. Thank you, Michelle. Bye. Bye bye. That was great because I I actually had read yeah. that. Yeah. I, I I sort of. Mar- yeah. Marcia Joyner calls them freaking. Frequent flyers. If you're in the, if you're in the oh, hospital. Oh right. Frequent yeah. flyers. I know that. See, yeah. the thing, that's that the thing with the home. That's with, that's with the homeless. You know, when they get in there too many times, then mm-hmm. they're, you know, it's like three, eight times you're out. You know, it's, I don't know. Well, the reason wow. San Francisco, Francisco is conserving homeless people is because they can all be put on disability or social security if they aren't already. Um, That's right. And so then the conservator, which is not the state, the conservator collects their checks and they get forty, forty-four dollars a month out of their own money, and the conservator mm-hmm. takes the rest. This was a scam from the get-go, and yeah. so there's people out there making billions of dollars off these homeless of people, and the thing is, they go after them, they conserve them, and they leave them on the street. Yep. And then yeah. they become much of a Oh, new, that's sick. Then they, you know, they take, they go to the hospital or, you know, something else. But they have to go through all these hoops to get to the point where they actually yeah. put them in a facility. And all that time they're it's collecting so all awful. that money. They're not looking for them. They're not looking for these people. That's right. Um, that's except right. to get their name and their identifying information and collecting their checks. That's like Mary Rowan in Detroit. She yeah, does business exactly. by volume. Mm-hmm. Last we knew, yes. she had seventeen hundred wards, and wow. going strong. That's crazy. She couldn't identify one of them, and she's collecting yep. all their Social Security, railroad retirement, yeah. VA retirement, whatever they've got. And uh, yeah, but like I say it, it, it. I go back to Gary Harvey in St. Joseph's Hospital in Chemung County, New York. Mm-hmm. There for over a year. I think he was mm-hmm. there two or three years. But the hospital oh. was making $1.2 million off of him. And, oh, uh, yeah. They want your, like that guy in Colorado, that, that Navy SEAL, remember him? And one day, yeah. this ju- not a judge, but these people show up and they've got him in guardianship. He has $10,000 worth of disability because he was damaged yep. during his Navy SEAL days. And they just held on to that guy yeah. just like suckers, you know, like blood, yeah. thirsty. Yeah, they're taking all their money. Yeah, it's just it's they just take scary. All and then, they're not the least bit interested. What interests and, me, and this, what, it shouldn't say interests me, but what makes me crazy is in these tribunals, these guardians and their attorneys can stand up and levy all kinds of charges against their intended victim. Unbelievable. And no evidence, never ask for any evidence, never produce any evidence, and right. I would say 90% of the time have never seen their intended victim and right. They just yes, come up with this stuff. Is they couldn't identify him. Yeah. And when we were in the, who is complicit in everything that's oh, going in on. New Mexico, in New Mexico. 
Go ahead. In New Mexico, there's there was one I, my friend's case. Uh, the court visitor said all kinds of stuff. For example, well, he bought her a house. Well, she had bought that house like 20 years before she ever met her, you know, her uh, loved one, you know. And they said, oh, and they're she's not taking care of them. Their feces on the floor. All this stuff was total bullshit. I mean, completely, you know. And they yeah. and not only that, they didn't allow him in the courtroom to say anything. Nobody was allowed in the right. courtroom to say anything. They just say this stuff, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's just not right. Right. But they did to well, me when I was asked to stop in all of this. Okay. Is go that ahead, what go. happens in Australia too? Is Australia pretty similar? It's pretty much the same, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. What yeah. the Aussies are going through. Boy. Yep. I have a funny one. Well, it's not funny. It's kind of pathetic. So I was in, you know, Judge family arts courtroom and the guardian they're like presenting us or they don't even have phone records like from the telephone company to tell us they're like well at this time we did this call and at this time we did this call and my sister and I like so the guardian can just say I made these phone calls at x y and z time but but not even produce a phone record because that really that's Usually you can get phone records and show me that you called me. Show me that you tried to I call see. me. I see. And then they charge the for the, They charge a bundle mm-hmm. for those calls. Yeah. That's oh yeah. Disgusting. And they and they write it down like in their own little handwriting and some sort of log without like you know a phone record. And and that's back in the day these cell phone bills. Now you just get like a one like cell phone bill. But back in the day, it used to itemize every single phone number that you made. Do you remember those days? Yeah. This is dating me. Yeah, and that sure was do. back in those days. So they could have produced wow. that kind of phone bill, but they were not capable of producing that kind of phone bill. They just like we're just like wait, we're supposed to take her word as the gospel, and we don't even and produce that's that's phone true bills? with everybody's record. That's true with most yeah, of them. They don't have that stuff. They, they just. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, really they terrible. just run their mouth and terrible. say it. Yeah. I mean, what do they and expect? Well, if you don't require anything, what do you expect? You know, what do you expect? Uh-huh. expect people to operate on the honor system? It's just not going to work, you know? Yeah, they what do. Um, people they say on the it didn't work in high school, and it's not going to work <laughs> now in these courtrooms. It just isn't. Yeah. You know? it's, so, it's so ridiculous to me that that should be allowed. Mm-hmm. Well, again. You go back to the Bar Association who touts guardianship as the best thing that ever was, and I'm talking about the National Guardianship Association, and, you know, it's a way to guarantee due process. Excuse me, it's no guarantee of anything, and due process no. is rarely adhered to, if ever. That's right, there's when no due process. you could hold process. a hearing without notice to the intended victim and make a determination mm-hmm. about the course of their life and then just go and inform them that you did this to them, that where is the due process? That in there, in these well, tribunals, my, they are not allowed to speak. They're not allowed to to select their own attorney. And if they have a personal attorney, right. yeah. for some reason, yeah. that probate examiner can fire that attorney and appoint one associated with the court. And of course. The, yeah, it's the, disgusting. The doctors are, are, are fired. Their family physician, you know, and some stranger yeah. is brought in who just writes up whatever the it's court insane. wants. There is well, no in, process. And in, in our like state, those. it's always the same doctor that's hired. It's always the same guy. And I actually got records to show that this one guy who was in that position actually was corresponding with the guardian saying things like, is this good enough? This report, does this work? Will that do it? You know, I mean, come on. We had that case some years back where the court psychiatrist had 
it, back then when I first started the first four or five years, everybody, everybody that came in the purview of these tribunals was bipolar. Everybody. It was <laughs> yeah. just an epidemic. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea that so yeah. many elderly people bipolar, and it's a fictitious diagnosis anyway. It's, it's, it's a but virus that's going likes, around in our town. Yeah. Right? And yeah. So, yeah. So they give this, this guy writes the court. He's never seen the victim. And he said, he wrote it up that they were bipolar uh, based on what he was told. This was bipolarism. Oh, my Lord. And he said, that, and on another little sheet of paper, he said, here's the report you asked for. If this, this doesn't work, let me know, and I'll write up something else. Yeah, right. And That's thought, exactly what this letter was like. It was so sick. I just couldn't yeah. even believe this was going on. And then this guy, yeah. my friend, he was on a trip to, in South America. And he gets a call from this guardianship company, and they say, you've got to come home because you no longer have your rights, and, and your, your assets are all frozen, and you better get home. I mean, can you imagine that? That's, I mean, that's what everybody goes through. All these people are going so through this. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, We're going to have just, to start uh, like, hiring our money in the, in the mattress so they can't get our yes. – that's why they want yes. cashless society so they can control it all. Yeah, yes. Bitcoin. Yes. That's the answer. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything yeah, about but, it, but uh, yeah. it's just well, you know if they're doing the this globally. Anyway. Oh, I know. It's it's they're uh, doing this globally, and we hear from people all over in different countries. It is the same thing system happening. Like I say, they may have a different terminology, a different way of describing yeah. the tribunal or the court, yeah. whatever. It is the same system. It's kidnapping, abduction. And then isolation and theft of the estate. Yep. And the family, yep. let's like say, is bad enough that it's done to the victim. But the downstream torment and torture to the family, oh, it's awful. to the friends. It's and just, so, for it's generations, just, really. It's just, for yes, generations. Yes. Not just one yep. generation. You're, and, you're uh, affecting the lives of, you're affecting the lives yep. of, say, a hundred. I mean, this is what's so frightening about professionals. Families can destroy themselves, okay, so one kid steals from everybody else, and it's awful. I mean, that person should land in jail, and they often do. But then when you get to these professional guardians, they can have 1,700 of these people and their families, right? And so yeah. think of the damage. It's like a tornado is coming through 1,700 people's lives. I mean, you know, maybe there's, yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying every case, but I'm just saying the potential because – if something's allowed to happen, it will happen if you don't stop it. That's just the yeah. way it works. Yes. That's entropy. That's what entropy's about. And, you know, that, that's the problem. It's just, uh, it's just so scary. I don't know. I, I, you know, I get discouraged. I get all excited about, say, the summit. It really was amazing. And I think the principles are really good. And one of them, of course, is yeah. that you get to hire your own attorney at any time during the process that you want. And you can ask for restoration of rights anytime you want through your lawyer. And, you know, there are lots of good things. But wow. the question is, as, as uh, the head of the group group. Marcia, no yeah. one should be stripped of their rights. This That's is, right. This should yeah. never be allowed to happen. No That's one correct. should be stripped of their rights. I don't care That's if right. they're a freaking lunatic. They I, I agree. They take agree. away their legal capacity. And yet they do it. And we've got a judicial system 
it's it's pointless actually to even bring them up because they are of absolutely no value to the public. None. Uh, it is yes. so corrupted. It has been monopolized by the bar associations, which I believe should be disbanded and made illegal. Uh, they are a threat to the country, and as they mm-hmm. have proven themselves, <laughs> that these are not honorable yeah. people. They don't exist for an honorable reason. But the the judiciary sitting there, and then when you you look at our state and federal lawmakers, how many times in fourteen years you have how many times. I have gone to them, spoken to them, state and federal. And, oh, yeah, they're going to do – oh, yeah, they're going to – Why? you know, or they give the old, hey, I never heard of such a thing. Nobody told me about this. Well, it's the first I yeah. heard of it. You're a liar. And uh, Oh, man, when I went to Utah, they uh-huh. when I went to Utah to get the visitation bill done with Catherine, uh, you know, mm-hmm. she introduced the problem, and then they gave the – the blowback, and then I came back as the one who answered their objections, you know. And they were saying, the guard, head of the state guardianship, I don't know, somebody representing guardians lobbying, said, oh, we don't have a problem like that. I said, are you ca-? I said, how do you know? How do you know you don't have a problem? Do you even have records of how many guardianships there are? Because none of the other states do. So what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? I mean... <laughs> Mm-hmm. They they just say, oh, we don't have that problem. Really? Well, everybody else seems to be having it. And not only that, the potential for the problem exists, and you better do something about it anyway. Let's say you don't have a problem. What's wrong with saying that a person has a right to have association with whoever they want? If that problem doesn't exist, then fine. You're fine, you know? It doesn't hurt to have that. Right. Oh, that's just crazy. Well, you know, the, the thing about it is uh, they do keep records. They won't admit to it, but they do keep records. But the federal government says we don't track that. That's, we don't collect stats on that. Yeah, you do. That's how the GAO issues that report. They're a government agency. Of course you collect stats. But but they, they, just, they just did samples. Should, they just took samples, yeah. cross-sections of – they took cross-sections. So, so yeah. you, don't, you don't tell me you know there's an issue, there's a problem, but they intentionally do not assemble databases on this, and you it's know terrible. plausible deniability. Well, I you haven't seen it. You know they'll keep track of how many times you cut your toenails in a month, but they don't keep track. Yeah, of how I mean, many what's, people you got to ask? You you, you have yeah. to ask at some point. How is it possible that nobody? really knows how many of these people are out there trapped in these horrible situations being abused and exploited like objects. How how can you not know that? Yes. That's why I, yes. I sort of have to kind of agree with you. Somebody must know something. Yes, they do. They do. And, yeah. you know, I go back to somebody said, why would they let this happen? You know, if they knew about it, why would – and you and I don't want to get into this virus thing, but this virus was the perfect cover for calling a large number of elderly. They owe Social Security yeah. just at four trillion. Well, look what happened. Now. Look what happened but in the no nursing homes. You know. you know. Yes, they have yeah. no way to pay it back. They never intended to. And yeah. so, and then on the other side of that, let's talk about. They're talking about Medicare for all. Well, there's a recipe for disaster. We've got the medical industry now 
bilking Medicare out of thirty to sixty billion a year. I know it. Yeah. Uh, charges. It isn't the clients, the claimants, who are costing money. It is the right. medical industry padding their bills, That's charging correct. for stuff they never did, tripling the cost of stuff. All this padding. And there are all stuff. these things that, that regular doctors, really regular people, have admitted that you know there are all these choices you can make on the Medicare form about what you did. That they'll go for the more expensive ones just to err on the side. Oh yeah. You know, so there's well, so much fraud everywhere. They're using. If they're using hospitalists in particular, um, and that means your personal doctor is off the the trail, and they're dismissed, and they don't check their file, they that hospitalist will ask for your symptoms, what's wrong, blah blah blah. Then he goes to mm-hmm. a computer, and he enters all of those systems into a program, those symptoms into a program, and it spits out every possible diagnosis, every medication oh my God. therapy or. That could be applied to it, and then it projects the profit for each one. Mm-hmm. And oh this my God, is that's done sick. before anything. Yeah, uh, hospitalists sick. are not there uh, to make sure you got a doctor on call 24 hours a day. Your doctor is out the door, and well, Marty, they are there. I have a increase. story. I I I have an incredible story about my former husband, who, as he aged, you know, we were divorced, but in this last five years, I was. I came back into his life because he was going through so, I mean, people were putting him through all these crazy stuff, you know, and, and I had to intervene. And one of the things was the hospitalist, the hospitalist was coming up. I was his health, you know, his health attorney and the hospitalist came up and was giving And uh, Murray. He he was a Nobel laureate scientist. He was, he developed a theory of quarks, which are subatomic particles in the universe and they're, also the ones that before the big bang and you know this guy was you know i mean he was he was a wonderful guy and uh the doctor actually had the nerve to say is he performing nobel laureate uh kind of discoveries these days i said what the fuck he's not he's almost 90 years old are you kidding doesn't he deserve to have a life that's uh peaceful because they were going to pull the plug you know and and uh and so you know i had to call his attorney because we had talked before and I knew exactly he and Murray said, I said, so Murray, if you get a full code, that means that if they resuscitate you, they might break your ribs. And he said, that's fine. <laughs> he said, I want to live. Yeah. I want to live. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and so here they are telling me that he's got, I need to sign a DNR now. And I just what? said, I, I, the hospitalist. And then I just called Murray's attorney and the attorney just called him and said, back off, buddy. And that was the end of that. Oh, but these wow. people are very, very manipulative. Yeah. If they're not good. Yeah. I'm sure some people are good. We, I just we, had a bad experience. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, uh, two years you ago, know, May 31st, hospital murdered my sister. And they're telling, I wasn't able to be there. And they're telling my other sister, and my sister who passed away, her daughter, uh, the old standby, they forgot it. She forgot how to swallow. They were doping <gasps> her up so bad on morphine, Ativan, and Heldo. Um, mm-hmm. And then they came in for the kill shot. And I told my sister, I said, you know when they're going to take her out. And I was just screaming. I was so upset. Oh, I Marty. I her and roll her, up on her, roll her up on her left side. 
I said, oh. I give her a shot, and within 20 to 30 minutes, she'll be gone. And sure enough, they did that. And um, so these, these oh my people who do this, these are serial killers. You cannot do this every day just because you didn't take a hatchet or a gun or do some other perverse thing to someone before you took their life does not make you any less of a serial killer. When you go to work every day and yeah. drug people to the point of death, and you do it day after day after day, this is murder. I don't care how you slice and dice it. This is premeditated murder. And well, you Elaine are was a telling serial me, killer. Elaine was telling me that in her state there was uh, one nurse that killed like 400 people or something insane um, like that. Oh, my God. You know. Oh, my God. Ugh. Wow. Yeah, something insane. I forget but what he is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you've seen those uh, hospice nurses on Facebook uh, that were laughing and joking about, you know, if they gave them too hard a time, oh, you must want to ride on the van, Ativan. And Ativan is oh a very damaging drug, just a horrendous yes. drug. So you combine it with morphine and Haldol, and you have effectively bombed the whole physical system. And uh, it yeah. doesn't take long. And they'll do this over the course of days. Um, and they, they always come in with the, well, they're suffering. You don't want them to suffer, do you? And what it is, they're almost comatose. They're starved. Oh, they, yeah. They redefine oh, yeah. food and water as medical treatment, not as a human right oh, and necessity, sick. but it's medical treatment. So when they call futility of care, the first thing they do is pull food and water. And the person, oh, after four God. days with no water, the organs start shutting down. And it's very painful. So we come in and we load oh, them with awful. drugs. And people still oh, moan and cry out. I'm, I, well, they're suffering. Mm. You don't want them to suffer, do you? Do you? And right, they'll right. give them another shot. And yep. it just is a series. And, um, but here are these hospice nurses on there. Every one of them should have been arrested. And, um, but well, you know, they've got about they, four people here. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh what I was going to say is with Murray, he had, you know, he would aspirate the wrong way. He would swallow food, you know, inhale food by mistake, and then he would, you know, be really yeah. sick, and then he would get pneumonia. Yep. And this happened to him three times. Yep. But every time they gave, it was amazing because he'd be, he'd be just completely out of it, like just. I mean, you you just didn't think you'd ever get him back. And then they put him on antibiotics, yep. and he'd be right back. And the next day, he'd be fine. It's really something. Yeah. yeah. But after the it's third a, time, the third yeah. time is when they decided they had had enough and they wanted to just, you know, let him go. And yeah. I was like, uh-uh. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it's he just, lived for I, another I year, know. you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's awful. I, really I, bad I experience. I always hope that all the people that do this stuff, like the guardians, the hospice nurses, these immoral attorneys, I hope they all suffer the same fate. Karma is a bitch. And yeah, it I is hope a bitch. They all suffer that it's they, really sick. you know, go through the same thing, find themselves at the mercy of these serial killers, have everything stolen from them, even their name, and be left yeah. with nothing. I want to see every one of them Awful. in that position. Yep. Yep. Uh, we've only got about yep. two minutes. I wanted to remind everyone okay. these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. 
It'll be a, a, the annual event will take place uh, January 29th through the 31st. It will be on Zoom. And as soon as I know which day our panel will be scheduled, I'll let you all know. Uh, and, oh, and on that note, we had another group try to slide in through the back door to get in to Summit. Uh, it didn't work. Oh, and um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm Jeez, telling you, how, but this how many be, years are, is this going to go on? Jason Oink. No, I don't yeah, yeah, this is what it is. That's basically what it is, too. And, yeah, so, yeah, I know. That's for, that's for uh, Cosby. For the hog report every week. Now we'll have the hog report. And, uh, oh, my but gosh. There is so much going on, and we're trying to get everything together. Um. Marcia, thank you for coming on and you know oh, speaking. Thanks, and, Marty. Uh, yeah, great Cosby, talk to you Thank guys. you for contributing tonight. Uh, usually, I have Cos. to goad her to get her to say anything. And um, I got my I got my cookies today. I got my I got oh. my. I have to say this, and it was and it, I I the reason I'm so hyper is because I have a sugar coma. I did that to so her. Good. Oh. <laughs> it was so good. It was out in New Mexico. And did everything uh-huh. arrive nice and cold? Everything still. arrived great, and I'm telling you, it's the best. I mean, your bakery is unbelievable. It's so unusual. I've never seen anything like that. And that's all so South thank American you. bakery. Oh my God! Okay, you got to you got to send me a bill though. You got to send me your bill. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. <laughs> yeah, you got to send me a bill. I keep all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, everybody, okay, thank everybody, you so much. Thank you for- well, thank, thank you, you Marcia, and thanks, everyone, for tuning okay. in. Um, we'll be back next Friday night, and then the 12th through the 19th, I will be off. We, I'm taking a vacation. I'm going with the family to <sighs> and You need it. So, and I'm going to sit on the beach. So there. Oh, wow. Anyway, I'll talk That's to you fantastic. all later. Have a, have a good right. time. And you too. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye-bye. What the hell?